you got to pursue something that gives you life that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning. Welcome back to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. The Lodges Podcast. Welcome back. You have to get creative. Like, your content can't just be like you sitting there. I have to, you know, master this D-list athlete if I'm going to get to C-list, to B-list, to A-list. whole slogan was basically, you're famous enough just being yourself. Just be you. A ruthless pursuit to, to be the best. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to episode 51 of the Lodges podcast. Uh, Today's guest is Alex Gonzalez, who is the sponsorship and promotional lead at Respawn Products. As many of you guys listening, I'm sure you know, Respawn is a gaming company that manufactures gaming chairs, recliners, gaming desks, and all those sorts of things. Um, Alex, uh, glad to be live with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on for, you know, number 51. Absolutely. Yeah. You're the first guest kind of post rebrand everything. So that's also kind of exciting to have you on right now. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to kind of go into detail on, on a bit about respawn and, and any questions anyone might have regarding, you know, how to get sponsorships or how to approach these companies and, and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Which I think a lot of people I've seen you kind of the last over the couple months, people interacting with you on Twitter. I think that's definitely like the million dollar question. Um, but to kick it off, I guess, before we kind of get into the nitty and gritty stuff, if you just want to let everyone know a little bit about you, your background story, kind of what you've done in gaming in the past and, and where you're at now, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we have like the, the 60 second elevator pitch and without diving too deep into it, it's, uh, I, I used to compete in call of duty, uh, didn't work out too well for me. So I ended up working with some teams on the, on the back end of things instead. And I started my own team, then uh, started another company over in Australia. We competed in the challenger series for league of legends, eventually ended up selling that off and consulting for some teams, working for some others. I, I spent about 18 months at red reserve, um, and around 2018, 2019. And they had their Call of Duty team, CSGO. We got into Rocket League for a bit. So I, I've had a little bit of involvement on the team side for probably four or five years before joining Respawn. And I think um, the insight of working on the team side was pretty helpful in, in evaluating, I guess, sponsorships and, and partnerships and people coming in because you kind of know when they're reaching out to you, what they're pitching, whether it's actually gonna happen or if it's just a bunch of filler and then they're just saying they're gonna do x y and z but it never ends up happening so it's good to kind of have experience on both sides of the fence when it comes to to partnerships there and i think that's helped me a lot in the in my current role i was i was looking i always you know before hopping on i always kind of like look at where my guest history has been i was looking on linkedin and you have like a lot it looks like a lot of different hats and roles that you filled for for different organizations and companies and stuff in gaming yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's kind of how it works, I guess, in the gaming and esports space. And it's like everyone is a social media manager at one point. And everyone at, at some point might have to open up Photoshop and be a designer, especially when you're not, um, um, maybe not as much anymore, but definitely in the years past as there wasn't as much money and every company didn't have, you know, a full-time designer and a full-time social media manager for every hour of the day. Um, definitely everyone has to be involved and able to, at least uh, fill in for a little bit in in the scenario that someone's not able to make it or someone's not able to cover a 12-hour tournament live tweeting or something like that. Right, yeah, no, definitely. Um, okay, well, to hop into Respawn, because I know that's where you're at right now, if you want to kick it off by just kind of, 
I guess maybe how did you get the the role at Respawn? Kind of, you can tell us, I, I'm sure most people know, but if you guys just want to give like a quick, you know, little details about what Respawn is and what you guys do. Um, and then, you know, what's your role there now? Yeah. Um, so I started here back in March, 2019. So probably a little bit over a year now, a year and a couple months. And I literally got the job from someone cold emailing me. He was actually the GM for the company. He cold emailed me from my Twitter profile, literally saw my email listed, got it, emailed me and said, Hey, um, you know, your experience looks interesting. I'd, I'd be interested in, in talking about it. So, you know, just, I guess, right place at the right time. Um, the company I worked for before wasn't operating anymore. So I kind of put out a, Hey, you know, I'm looking for work and yeah, it just, just happened to kind of fall into my lap and, you know, the interview went well and then we, I guess I got a good feel for the brand and I think they could do some big things and I've, uh, I think it's worked out well so far. We've, we've definitely grown a lot in the last year or so for, for those who aren't familiar with Respawn, we're a gaming furniture brand. So we make chairs, desks, rockers, recliners. Um, we have a few product categories that we'll be getting into later this year. So I won't go too deep into them, but alongside the, I guess the furniture category and, and other stuff in around chairs and desking. Yeah. And for, so for you, I guess, what does, you know, I know you obviously work in sponsorships and promotions. Um, what is your, I guess for, for maybe people listening that, you know, obviously maybe they're not going to go work at Respawn, but that are looking into those type of roles in the gaming space, what does your day-to-day look like and, and kind of what are the usual things that you're involved in? Yeah. So f- from talking to other people in the industry, it seems like it kind of varies from company to company when it comes to sponsorships. But for, for me specifically, I respond. It has to do a lot with, you know, communicating with the teams, fielding any new responses or, or requests. Um, we're, we're pretty picky with who we work with and it's usually we reach out to them, but every now and then there'll be someone that reaches out and impresses us and we say, well, you know, let's give them a chance. Let's see, you know, they want to work with us. Let's see what they can do. Um, but yeah, a lot of communication with the teams also, you know, keeping up on social and what we're doing there. Um, just making sure that we're you know, activating with them, making sure they're hitting their deliverables and also doing what we can to elevate their brands and not just have it be a one way partnership or relationship. And so with the, the, like the people you guys work with, is it, is it, you know, content creators, teams and leagues, events, or I guess for when you guys are going out and and finding the right people to sponsor and, and all that, um, what is your clientele, I guess? Yeah. I mean, for us, it's definitely a little bit of everything. Um, we're, we're in a bit of a, I don't want to say better, but unique situation compared to other categories where our product is always visible. Um, Mm -hmm. no, no matter who's streaming, you're going to kind of see what chair they're sitting in. It doesn't really apply to the desks, but you know, compared to maybe their mouse or their keyboard, um, you can't really see what they're using unless they're going out and promoting it. Where for us, it's a lot of natural product placement and, um, and people just seeing what's out there in the market. So we work with definitely some streamers and content creators, a lot of esports organizations. Um, a lot of colleges actually use our stuff in high schools throughout the country. And we do a lot of custom logo for them if they're interested in in filling out their arena, their space with with some of our products. Um, A lot of them also will just go out and buy it and and have it there without really, you know, starting that conversation with us or or anything like that. Um, Also, the the high res games and all their pro leagues happen to use our stuff in the the skill shot space down in Atlanta. So the Smite Pro League, the Paladins Pro League, all those happen to use our chairs also. 
Yeah, no, definitely. That's cool. So for like high school teams or, or college teams, like a lot of them, if they wanted to, they can, you know, create a customize with their logos and stuff on there and have it for their teams. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the schools find big value in that. So they'll reach out to us and they'll put in an order for 10, 20 chairs with, uh, with their branding on it. Nice. Nice. Um, well, I know I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the market of gaming chairs just in general. Um, I know we had like DMs, so we won't go too much like into the ergonomics, but definitely at least wanted to get your take on it, given that you're at Respawn. Um, I mean, I guess we can start first for you guys. Like what, when Respawn's looking at like a project, I guess, what are your guys' key factors that you guys consider, um, in your chairs? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the, the space is changing a bit and, and we have some products coming out in the future that'll kind of address that market but you see a lot of the top streamers shifting away from the the bucket style seats so think a a traditional dx racer or other gaming chair brand and like a racing chair into you know i i know secret lab has gone away from that design a bit then you have some top streamers sitting in like ermin millers and steel cases so it's a definitely shifting away from the traditional quote-unquote gaming chair it seems like whenever you see someone tweet out that they're looking for a new gaming chair there's like there's two responses there's either someone suggesting a certain brand or there's the person saying don't buy a gaming chair buy an office chair and that's kind of the market that we're trying to address the other half of you know you could have a gaming chair that doesn't destroy your back or feel like a race car seat um we're, we're trying to definitely offer some affordable products that are not just, you know, don't just look good. They actually feel good and they're not going to wear out after a year or six months or three months. We, we offer a three-year warranty on all our products and we, we try to offer something that's going to last you because a chair should last you. I mean, most people sit in their chairs for three, four, five years and even longer. So. You know, it seems, and not to speak on any specific brand, but just kind of as a whole, even just talking about streams, it kind of seems like, you know, gaming chairs were traditionally, like you were saying, they kind of sit naturally in the background, right? Because obviously when we're watching a lot of streamers, you can, you know, if they get up, we can see what chair they have. If they take a selfie picture for Twitter or whatever, you see what chair they have. Um, But it kind of, at least from my perspective, it seems like there's kind of a shift from uh, gaming chairs, like the interest is, okay, I don't necessarily just want a gaming chair that looks really cool and kind of looks fashionable or I guess trendy in the background, but it seems like there's a, a big shift for people actually wanting chairs now that I guess are, you know, healthier. And I guess that goes kind of with the ergonomic stuff. Um, but I don't know, like, is that what you guys see as well? That it's kind of maybe not so much about what the chair looks like anymore, but really seems like consumer focus is, is a lot on, you know, how can the chair actually help me? Yeah. And I mean, I, I think people still want a brand because we, we don't see a lot of streamers, going out to staples and buying in an unbranded chair just because it's an right. office chair right it's you see them going for ermin miller or steelcase or some of these higher tier like known names so i think having a brand definitely still matters maybe the okay. aesthetics don't matter as much but um i think there's definitely going to be a happy medium from that people are looking for there yeah, no, definitely. It'll be it'll be exciting. I've seen Respawn. You guys have kind of been teasing a little bit of your guys' upcoming products. So that, that'll be cool to see what you guys 
um, come out. We want to take a minute to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Respawn Products. Respawn aims to offer the gaming community the highest quality of ergonomic gaming furniture products at affordable prices. Whether you're a content creator, professional player, or casual player, they pride themselves on providing quick delivery and amazing customer service with over 25 years of experience creating the highest quality of products. So if you guys are listening and you need a new gaming chair or gaming desk, I highly recommend checking out their inventory and see if there's something that fits your needs you can find them on twitter at respawn products or online at respawnproducts.com thank you again respawn for sponsoring today's podcast episode and we'll now transition back into our conversation with alex okay alex so i know that a lot of people too and again like i said i follow you on twitter follow respawn and all that so i've kind of seen the last couple months a lot of users content creators um a lot of the times you know the question that seems that you guys get a lot is you know how do i get a sponsorship how do i work with respawn um so i just thought it'd be a great question to hear from you personally on the podcast kind of what you guys are looking for in creators um when you're like you know who's a good fit in and who isn't yeah um i i mean i think the most important thing is like everyone who's handling sponsorships or partnerships is is typically pretty busy and we, we don't want to sit there and, you know, try to figure out what it is you're asking for or what it is that you're offering. I think just um, less is more a lot of the time. And if you can provide a, hey, I'm a streamer, I average this many viewers, I'm interested in a new chair because I had X brand and I didn't like it, then then that gives us a lot more information than sending over a, a 10 page deck explaining what esports is to us and and a bunch of other stuff it's just try to be very concise with what you offer and what you're trying to get from the company and that doesn't just mean for i guess gaming chairs but any company in general right if you're looking for cash then you need to specify that if you're looking for just product if you're looking to be an affiliate or a partner or a brand ambassador whatever you're trying to do just try to be very straightforward to the point um and and short and condensed with it especially if you don't already have the the contact there so if someone i know of or that i've spoken to before reaches out there's a higher chance i'm going to you know be able to read through their whole thing and already know who they are and what they can offer and what their viewers are like and and all that but if we have no idea who you are um there's um there's thousands of other people that are reaching out asking for the same thing so you want to definitely be concise and, and just make sure that your whole proposal gets read essentially rather than, you know, we're skimming through and we don't really get the the meat of the information. Right. No. And so would you say, I guess, maybe advice for, and I guess it's just be general advice for like a, a smaller creator that maybe, you know, is trying to land, maybe they don't have past sponsorships, right. And they're trying to look for their first one. Um, you know, say if it was with respawn, uh, I guess advice with them is to build up your stream, I guess, to uh, a point to where it's, you're getting some attention, your socials to where you're getting some attention and then find, you know, whether that's respawn or another company, you're just trying to find, you know, how you actually align with, I guess, both the company's goals and then, and then also your goal as a streamer. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think viewership is the end of the world okay. or, or subscribers or followers or anything like that. Um, engagement definitely matters and you know we, we see a lot of companies um, shifting towards micro influencers and 
and smaller streamers with dedicated fan bases and stuff like that. You know, some of our smallest deals have been the most successful ones, and some of our biggest ones have been the the biggest, or I guess the worst deals. But it's, you know, if, if you know you don't have the biggest fan base, then don't try to sell it that way, right? Sell what your strengths are. Um, sell that you, you have high, you know, uptime, that you're streaming 10 hours a day to make up for the fact that you don't have a bunch of viewers, you know, that you're doing a giveaway every single month that you're going to create branded content that, you know, find whatever your strength is and try to try to sell it to that brand. Um, you have to make up for, for the lack of viewership or the lack of numbers if you're a smaller streamer, because everyone is a streamer nowadays and everyone wants to be a streamer. So just saying that you're streaming and need a new chair doesn't really offer a brand a lot of value. And then same thing for a headset or a keyboard or, or anything like that. You need, you need to definitely provide the value compared to what everyone else is offering them. Yeah, no, and and it's interesting. I, I and I know you're a marketing guy. Obviously, I saw you went to FIU, and I know a lot of your roles. Obviously, you're you're in marketing. Um, and this is, I guess, is off topic from maybe gaming specifically, but I've had some conversation with people about how micro influencers are becoming like a bigger thing. I guess in today's day and age, because it seems to have that higher engagement, I guess, just from like a marketing perspective, how, do, how do you see, I know you kind of just touched on it a bit, but do you see that, that we're starting to go to where for, for companies, there's a lot more value sometimes from micro influencers than say going with someone who's got millions and millions of followers. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that that holds true in a lot of different industries. I mean, you, you, you look at like any little town or, or group of high schools, group of colleges, there's always like, I guess, kids on Instagram that people know from around the neighborhood, even if they didn't go to your specific school. And, you know, there, there's people targeting them with like, you know, shirts or, or shorts or, or different brands on Instagram to reach out to their little niche community because they happen to have, you know, 2000 followers or 15 or 1500 followers. And then they know, Hey, this person's very engaged with their community. And it'll be the same thing for the gaming space of, you know, maybe the streamer only gets 25 viewers, but it's the same 25 people every single day. And they, all 25 of them are subscribers and they're gifting and they're donating and, and they really value this person's content. So, you know, definitely, I guess the engagement among those smaller creators it's always interesting to see because if, if they're able to engage a small audience, then I think as their audience grows, if it grows, it, you'll continue to see them, you know, retaining that engagement for their viewers within the gaming space, I guess. But but yeah, I think micro influencers as a whole, even outside of gaming, are are getting a lot more popular and they're, you know, fetching a way smaller price tag compared to, you know, paying someone thousands of dollars to post on Instagram you know, some of these smaller people is like, oh, well, you'll send me a free shirt, then I'll post and show all my followers your shirt. Sure. So, I mean, I think that's why a lot of companies are shifting towards it. Um, one, it's, you know, it's obviously shows that it works and successful, but also to save dollars because um, a lot of influencers are starting to realize their value and asking for some of them are starting to ask for way more than, than they're worth. Um, so I, I think you'll see that trend kind of continue as as people keep you know getting on more social platforms and starting to connect all their different social platforms together yeah no and I, and I think it's interesting like even just with influencer marketing because i guess still i don't know it seems like a sometimes when people become you know whether they're micro or, or larger influencers a lot of times there's kind of you know what am i worth and what am i not worth so that's always interesting but no i there's actually a streamer that i was speaking with 
um recently and you know they were telling me how you know their streamer and their total follower account on their streaming platform was lower and you know their sub count and, and viewership though was higher relatively you know if you were to like put them on a scale compared to people who had more followers than them um so it, it's even just been interesting to see how how that's working for some streamers where maybe they have like a lower follower account subscriber follower account i guess is the right word to use but they're still having like really high engagements a lot of people are really supporting their streams so um but i think that's cool for the gaming space because that way you're not just having you know your your doctor disrespects your your ninjas of the world and all that but you're also having these these smaller communities that are they're really engaging so i think i think it's pretty neat yeah definitely i mean I think that any of the analytics can be gamed almost because, you know, there's there's people with, you know, 50 viewers sitting at, at 500 subscribers on Twitch because people can yeah. gift subs. Um, so it's like not one, I guess, metric that tells the whole story. So when, when people reach out and they say, you know, I have 500 followers or I had an average this, right? It's like that isn't always what we really care about. Um we definitely just want to see that you have a, you know, a, a logical plan and reason behind what you're asking for. It's like, you know, if you just say you're a streamer and you want a chair, then you're probably not going to get it. You know, if, if you tell me that, hey, I'm a streamer, I just started out, um, I'm averaging this many viewers and I'd, I'd like to do X, Y, and Z for you guys and I really need a new chair, then, then you have a way better chance. And, you know, again, you don't want to make it a... 10 page proposal unless it needs to be but the, the clearer you can get to what you're wanting and why you deserve it then i think that that definitely helps anyone yeah absolutely absolutely um i saw and and kind of last question on i guess as far as like sponsorships and all that working with people um i had seen the twitter thread that you had done it was a couple of weeks back or a month ago or so where you had done you know kind of q a's you guys get often and one of the interesting ones that i saw that you put was you know, I guess working with grassroots orgs, right, that are trying to grow their brand. And I guess someone asked maybe the question of like, you know, for sponsorships, is it more of, you know, how successful are we competitively? Or is it more so what our content is? Um, is there anything you can like touch on or, or add to that for maybe anyone listening that's got a small team that they're trying to build up and grow and, and you know, obviously, eventually, sponsorships, I'm sure are, are goals for them? Yeah, definitely. Um realistically if you're not at least from my perspective other brands might see it differently if, if you're not competing for a championship then you might as well be in last place mm -hmm. um you know it, i always the one that's really popular is um i guess because they have open bracket is like call of duty so it's like we'll have teams that that'll fund a team to go play the team gets like top 16 or top 12 or something in the open bracket and and that's kind of the the selling point for the organization and it's like yeah that's that's not a bad placement that's a really good placement it's a really competitive esport and it's probably a good team but there's 12 other teams ahead of you now still so it's you know it's not really a huge i guess differentiator for your brand um i'd rather you have a team that places dead last but you're making content around it and you know getting professional photos done and having good social media and people want them to do better and want to see their journey to be a better team than a team that finishes top 12 and no one's talking about them and, and we don't know who they are and you're not creating content around them because you spent your entire budget to, you know, pay these guys to compete. Um, I, I think that there needs to be a, 
a middle ground. You know, you want your team to be competitive. If you're going to start an esports org or if your team reaching out for sponsorships or anything like that, you want your team to either be built around being the best team or at least a competitive team playing at a highest level. And if not, it needs to be focused around creating content and, you know, offering the value there. Like you, you need to have a differentiator with so many teams out there. You can't just be another middle of the pack team that doesn't add value to a company. Yeah, no, I've said we had um, on ep- episode 49, I had Darren Traub. I-, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he's an entertainment and, and esports lawyer. And that was actually one of the things that I kind of dove in with him about was the fact of how for a lot of these grassroots orgs and for a lot of these orgs are kind of trying to build themselves up just the importance of, you know, having a lot of content around them, like you were saying, whether that's, you know, professional videos or professional photos um, or, or just telling their stories. Um, so it's, it's interesting to kind of see that a, a lot of people that are in these upper positions like yourself and, and other past guests we've had that are seeing that that's something that's super valuable going forward right now in this kind of day and age. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, t- two years from now, no one's going to care that you placed top 12 at Anaheim in in 2018 <laughs> or whatever. Right. But if you gained 3000 followers throughout that period, like those followers stay or they should be staying if you're if you're doing things correctly and and you're keeping them engaged and making them fans of your brand. So I think that's also another thing to kind of, you want to invest into, I guess, assets, not just short-term success. So I think, you know, followers and fans are assets for your brand. You know, if you, if your team did do well and you didn't take videos or photos of it, then did they really do well? Like you don't, a year from now, you can't even, all you have is a, you know, a bullet point on your sponsor deck that they did that. You don't have the photos to show it. You don't have any content to use in the future. If you want to do a throwback post, you can't. Like, so teams need to, I guess, not forget about the little details when they're working with players. They need to make sure that they're getting them in, in New Jersey's every event with updated branding or updated logos for sponsors or whatever. They need to make sure they're taking photos, taking videos, doing interviews. Um, and not just doing them, but putting it out there for their fans to consume. Because a lot of times that teams will get photos done and only use them internally, but not post them or stuff like that. Or if you're doing a video shoot or something just for B-roll, throw an interview in there, right? Ask, like, just get some content that you could use in the future or short or short term to get people interested in your brand, to turn them into fans for the long term. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah, if you go win a championship, you got nothing to document it, nothing to, you know, create a highlight reel. You know, I mean, you think of sports documentaries, and at least speaking, I'm a huge sports fan. So, I mean, when I think of the great sports documentaries, I mean, even take the last dance as of recently, you know, if it wasn't for all the video footage, if it wasn't for for all the content that was created, there wouldn't be that story to tell. And I think it's likewise for for gaming organizations and, and brands like that. So. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's um that's been popular amongst the the top teams, right? So you think yes. Hundred Thieves, Optic a few years ago, Liquid, all these teams are creating documentaries around their team and, and making sure that their their stories live on past the actual placements, whether they were good or bad, right? People are watching this regardless of their placing last. Like whether they won a game or not, people are watching the documentary and finding out why they didn't win a game. Right. Yeah. No, if, you, if you have, I'll speak for myself. If you've got the, the really compelling videos and you've got the people who are editing them and producing them correctly, 
you could be the team in last place at, at a tournament, but I'm probably going to follow you over following the winner of that team if they didn't do anything, just because, like you're saying, I want to follow that story. I want to have those compelling moments seen. I don't know. I think I think it's really interesting. But um, well, I want to shift a little bit, or I guess we can. This kind of goes in with you know content and all that. I want to talk a little bit on the promotional side of respawn. I know you you work in that area as well. Um, I guess to, to, I'll, I'll vouch for you because I saw this on LinkedIn and I thought this was pretty impressive. Um, I saw that last year you helped increase uh, response social media presence by 30,000 followers and increase revenue by 180%, which is honestly incredible. Um, for you, I guess, how do you see the current landscape of social media? You know, how do you approach it? Um, or is there anything you can talk about kind of uh, around that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I put out a tweet the other day and it's like, you know, especially i guess for brands it's a lot easier to say for teams but brands you still see a lot of it's like stop stop running your brand like a robot mm -hmm. no one wants to follow a brand that all they do is tweet out ads every three days on the same schedule at the same exact time and you go to the tweet and you see that it was scheduled from like tweet deck or something like <laughs> you, you need to be organic and you need to you know give your followers something to look forward to and you want i guess the best way to put it is and you've seen a lot of people probably say this before is like you want your brand account to talk to their fans like they're talking to a friend mm -hmm. um you don't want them to talk to it like it's a, a a corporate entity with no actual person typing behind the keyboard because there always is someone behind the keyboard and it sucks to see sucks to see brands or teams that don't let that person behind the keyboard actually run the account and they have them running it like a robot so mm -hmm. i think definitely just being organic interacting with fans it's it's crazy to see people have an issue with i guess i'll speak for other chair companies it's crazy to see someone have an issue and then they're like hey my chair's broken they're like we're sorry you're having that issue please respond to us and fill out this form and it's like no just get them to message you then give them the link or help them solve it like it's why does everything need to be an automated copy response like i don't know that's i think that's where a lot of brands struggle and there's there's not a lot of it in the gaming space because the gaming space seems to move a little bit quicker than um than other industries but there's still some brands that run their accounts like robots and you can see that they're sitting at two hundred thousand followers and getting 20 likes a tweet so They'll, they'll eventually, I guess, die off if they're going to continue down that road and not make adjustments to how social media works in 2020. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you can definitely, I mean, it's pretty evident when you're, when you're scrolling through, or at least I know it is for me when I'm scrolling through a social, whether it's Twitter or whatever, and I see like a verified account with, you know, 40, 50,000 followers and you only see like, you know, like you're saying 20, 30 likes, it, it definitely comes out uh, pretty, pretty in your face. Um. But you said something actually, which is a question I want to ask you. So this works perfectly is, you know, obviously a lot of us know the gaming space moves very quickly for you guys. Like, again, still kind of staying on the promotional side with an industry that moves so quickly where you have a lot of events, you have new games that come up and, and become esports, um, and, and that whole sort of thing. How, I guess, what are some challenges that you guys face for an industry that's very quickly and, and has a lot of these changes throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, definitely you have to stay on trend. Um, I guess it. luckily I come from the gaming space, but you see a lot of even like colleges and stuff that try to start programs now and they're making like the intramural director or like 
something that they're like some assistant coach try to run their esports program and it's like if you're not in this industry it's going to be a lot harder for you to adapt to how quick it moves and and how quickly trends come and go so you know luckily since i'm involved i think it hasn't been super hard for us to stay on trend and on pace with everything going on but yeah i mean you, you need to be on social like 24 7 essentially because if not like you're not really i guess intertwined with with the trends and 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 what's popular and what's not and then what memes are are going on and, and all that especially now with with tiktok and everything from one platform kind of shifting to another like you see people saving the tiktoks and posting them on twitter and then posting that on instagram and like screenshotting tweets and putting them on instagram stories so everything is like ingrained into itself at this point so you need to be on like everything at all times to make sure you you're following along or else you'll kind of fall behind yeah do you and 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 then i guess it's just a general question i, I don't i don't mean if you like specify if, if this has been a challenge you guys to face any specific person or, or school or anything like that but on the side of like maybe working with colleges and high schools where like you're saying, and we've had this conversation with the past guests where, you know, a lot of companies maybe sometimes hear gaming and they hear esports and then they're like, Oh, you know, so-and-so on staff likes gaming. We'll just make them be the head of our esports division or whatever. Is, is that a challenge that you guys have faced as a brand of make, maybe working with companies or schools where you have someone that I guess didn't have the background um, like other people have? Yeah, no, I mean, so so we work with NACE, and they refer a lot of colleges to us. Okay. And, you know, what we've learned is there's a lot of colleges that are very serious about their gaming programs, and there's a lot of colleges that are doing it just because it's the next big thing they feel like, so they're starting a small one. So it, depending how serious they are about the program is typically how um, informed or qualified the person running the program is so we do our best with the schools that aren't as knowledgeable to help them kind of understand what they might need or we talk to them about you know if, if you're going to be playing rocket league maybe you'll want three desks and three chairs mm-hmm. whereas if you're going to be playing league of legends you're going to want a five chair and desk set up together so the players can all communicate you know seamlessly next to each other rather than three desks on one side of the room and the other two in another room or across the room or, or whatnot so we try to, you know, communicate with them and, and help them as best as we can, especially when it comes to the, the orientation of their furniture and how many they'll be needing and, and what works and what doesn't. You know, if, if you're going to be playing console games, maybe a, a recliner or a rocker makes sense for a casual gaming space. But if they're going to be playing CSGO or League or something that requires a mouse, maybe you're going to want to get them bigger desks and make sure they're in a in a chair rather than a rocker or a recliner so they're at the right height to face their monitor when they're playing so there's um there's definitely ways that we can help the programs but i'm sure there's a lot of programs that don't really care about competing at the highest level and they're just doing it as an extra you know programmer extracurricular activity to offer their their students a lot of them have clubs and, and whatnot that aren't necessarily trying to be the, the best collegiate esports team no, that's awesome. Okay, that's cool. So like, for for example, for the collective you're talking about at the beginning, you kind of almost then it's like a, a bit of an educational and like teaching moment to help them as well, like aside from just products and stuff, but to kind of help them understand everything as a whole a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the conversation are definitely around cent- they're centered around the products. But you know, if, if they have any questions that I can help with, I'm definitely happy to to help inform them on 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 what they can do and then what other colleges I've spoken to are doing and, and how 
how to kind of get their program up and running because you know as i mentioned a lot of the times they're just it's the guy in charge of ims or or an assistant coach or something that doesn't really understand the space so they're they're open to any information they can get to help them have a successful program and get you know you don't you don't want to be saying you have an esports program or a gaming club or something and then people are going in there and they have all the wrong equipment or it doesn't work or it's not configured correctly or, or whatnot. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Um, well, I wanted to touch on, I know you brought it up, you know, obviously a lot of different social media platforms that I know you guys have accounts on, but I wanted to bring up TikTok, um, because I know for really just everybody, this is obviously still fairly new. Um, how do you, I guess you can answer a two prong if you want, however, however you feel most comfortable. I mean, how do you guys feel about TikTok? where, what do you guys take on it so far? I know that a lot of streamers at the, or it seemed like a lot of the top tier streamers at the beginning didn't go on TikTok. Now you see that a lot of the gaming community is getting on TikTok. Um, I guess maybe how valuable has it been for you guys so far or, or, or what do you guys think of the platform? Yeah, we're, we're still in the process of getting our TikTok on its feet. I mean, we're, we're almost at like 5,000 followers. So it's, mm-hmm. but my follower counts seem to be very um, inflated there. Maybe inflate is yeah. not the right word, but, but you know, 50,000 on Twitter is pretty impressive. 50,000 on TikTok is like, a, you know, most people <laughs> have that. So, yeah, um, yeah, we're still getting it off the ground kind of, but it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that platform goes. Cause you know, I personally use it and I really like it. It's like their algorithm is so strong in keeping you on their platform and, and just like shoving the content you enjoy down their throat. It's like, once you're on it for an hour, it knows exactly what you like to watch. No, it learns you really quickly. It's kind of crazy, actually, how fast it picks up on what you like, what you don't like. Um, it's pretty wild. But, yeah, no, my wife is is fully addicted to it. She she spends a lot of time on TikTok. It's hard to get her attention sometimes because of TikTok. But um, it's a cool platform. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're focused on trying to to monetize it and, and, and how they're going to be doing that moving forward. So it's also, you know, that brands are taking advantage and starting to use, like, songs on there because you can't use those on like twitter or instagram because you'll get flagged immediately but i for whatever reason i guess on tiktok it's not as quickly taken down or not taken down at all so i think recently they said like oh only creators can use like copyrighted songs brands can't but i still see a bunch of brands doing it so i think that's definitely helped a lot of brands at least build their following initially because I can't use a Drake song on Twitter, but on TikTok, a bunch of brands are using Drake songs for their content. So, you know, or any other popular artists, you know, but I think that it just, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, you know, six months from now, a year from now, if it'll have any staying power, if post quarantine, when everyone's not glued to their phone, if people will, um, well, you know, go back to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, and go away from TikTok, but it doesn't seem like it because everyone's using it's a bit younger. I guess the demographic seems to be a lot younger on it, and I think all those kids will will stay on it. They seem pretty addicted to it at this point. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think a lot of people are good. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know if you know Connor Alney, um, but he launched. He does a lot of gaming content on there. Um, and he launched his, he launched a book off of there earlier this week, I think, which was like kind of crazy. Um, it's just wild. I guess, like you're saying, the algorithm is just so strong that I guess if you get caught in it and, and it hits, it really hits. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting to see how creators, brands, companies, all that have, have been utilizing it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I shout out to Steel Series and G Fuel because they're they're killing it on TikTok. So they've been yeah. they've been doing a good job, and they're kind of what I guess we strive to be on that on that platform, and what we've seen, I guess, within the gaming space, the two companies have been doing well. A lot of other brands haven't even, you know, dipped their toes in yet. Cool. Well, I guess the last thing we can start to to wrap things up here in a minute, but one of the questions I did want to ask, kind of want to ask you at the end, because um, I didn't want to take away from all the other great stuff you guys are doing. But with COVID, I guess, has that, and it's interesting to hear kind of different people's takes on this, has it impacted you guys much for you guys, you know, going forward? Do you, I mean, even if you want to just talk about like kind of your personal take of its impact on on the gaming industry and all that and how things will look um, for the rest of the year and going forward or, or how have you guys and your team been, been dealing among, you know, amongst all this going on? Yeah. Um, I mean, on the respawn side specifically where, uh, you know, everyone's in the market for a chair and a desk as they mm-hmm. go work from home or just spend more time gaming in general or anything like that. So it's definitely helped us there. I think for the gaming space as a whole, it'll be interesting to see which leads transition back to land. I don't think we'll see Gears of War and some of those other games fully going back to LAN. I'm sure they'll they'll have a couple LAN events, but I don't think that we'll get back to full LAN circuits for some of the smaller games that have proven that online is um is viable. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see Call of Duty and Overwatch and League and all those go back, but for some of the smaller games that might not be bringing as many dollars. Um, Maybe they'll choose to save some dollars there rather than have a land event every single month or every two months. No, definitely. I mean, it's, I mean obviously, it's been hard for, I guess, especially if you look like the Call of Duty League that I guess was launching and had all these events that were that were planned. Um, but no, for you guys, I figured with, with Respawn, I figured it's probably been good for you guys, honestly, um, amongst all this, because obviously you got a lot more people uh that maybe weren't creators, but a lot of people, you know, business professionals working from home now, probably more than they were before. So uh, I figured for a furniture brand for you guys that, you know, amongst obviously a lot of a lot of struggle for other people, I figured for, for Respawn, it probably would be a good thing as far as you guys products and all that. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're pretty low on stock and have sold out a bunch of our products. And it seems like the same for Elgato and Logitech and, and a bunch of other brands that would go hand in hand with a, a work from home setup. Right, right. No, awesome. Well. I mean, that kind of, well, like I said, well, that's kind of it. We'll, we'll start to wrap things up. I mean, I always, at the end, um, you know, I give all the guests always opportunity to, you know, if there's anything else you wanted to share, anything else we didn't um, touch on that you kind of think is an important topic or subject in, in your day to day. I know obviously like, um, and I guess for context, we obviously have a lot of guests that come on here that have different roles within the industry, do different things. Um, so kind of always give this portion at the end here, if there's anything in your day to day that you think's relevant, well, within your part of, you know, the industry and all that, if there's anything you want to share. Um, no, I mean, I think we, I think we dove a bit deep into, into the sponsorships and, and what it takes to get one there. And I mean, if, if anyone had any questions, I'm always answering them on social and always happy to kind of critique how people are reaching out to brands, but, um, not much else that I'd really want to dive into. Um, I guess for people to keep an eye out on, on respawn and and some chairs we have coming out in the future is, as we mentioned in the very beginning and kind of circling back to finish off, it's the industry is switching away from the bucket style seats. And I think we have a a product that will address that and people will be happy to see in the space really soon. 
yeah, no, it'll, it'll be cool to see you guys roll that out and, and kind of see what the feedback is. I'm excited, excited to, to see what you guys do. Um, for socials, what's the best place? We'll tag you on on Apple Podcasts. If anyone's listening through Apple, you'll see Alex's um, socials tagged down there and you can go straight to them. But Alex, for anyone else listening, where's the best place for them to follow you? Yeah, I mean, it's just Alex G Logics on, on all socials and then company is Respawn Products on all socials. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, we had had uh, only a handful of guests come on in the past that sit kind of on the sponsorship side and, and all that sort of thing. So it was great to hear from you and, and, and all that. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, always happy to provide info and, and see what we can do to make the community a little bit better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for all of you guys listening, thank you guys um, for tuning into this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that with Alex. Again, if you want to connect with him, uh, drop a low and, and either go to his socials or like he said, he mentioned it, you can go follow all his stuff. Um, but with that being said, we will catch you guys next week for another episode of the Lodges podcast. 